You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. So the day to honor mothers actually began in 1914. It's almost 100 years old. The then U.S. president, uh, President Woodrow Wilson, proclaimed the second Sunday of May to be Mother's Day. And so here we are almost 100 years later, and we are, I'm so glad he he chose to do that. I'm so glad that there was, a, he actually used the example of, of someone who at a funeral, at a mom's funeral, gave away carnations, which is what uh, is so often you see carnations given to a mom. By the way, moms, we have a gift for you at the end of the service, so don't slip out until we are able to do that because we would love to, and it's not a carnation, so... Oh, yeah. It's a, no, it's not. So uh, I'd love to give you a gift. I know there's some first-time moms. You've had babies this year, and this is the first time that you get to celebrate moms. Um, husbands, you're going to have an opportunity to hear some things, even how to value your wives now that they're moms. But first of all, I would like to read to you a job description, thanks to Linda Weber of the book Mom, You're Incredible. And I'm going to explain to you what exactly it is that a mom does. And this came after uh, a conversation she had. Well, actually, her husband came home, and he asked her what she did all day. And I'm going to give you just a great heads up, dads. Don't don't ask that. That, That's really not a wise thing to to ask. So he asked her, and she says, you know, I'm going to start writing down everything I do so I actually know what I do. So this is what she came up with. I am a baby feeder, changer, bather, rocker, burper, hugger, listener to crying and fussing and thousands of questions. I'm a picker-upper of food and debris that's been cast on the floor, problem-solver, determiner of action, one who gives those talks to whoever needs them, phone messenger, reminder of responsibilities, comforter, encourager, counselor, hygienist, linguistic expert for two-year-old dialects, trainer of babysitters, listener for husband as well as children, teacher of everything from how to chew food to how to drive a car. Uh, I didn't do the drive the car. I just didn't have that much faith. So that was with dad did that one. Assistant on school projects, questioner, prober to promote thinking, censor of TV, movies, and books, homework helper, reader of thousands of children's books over and over and over, planner and hostess of children's parties, planner and hostess hostess of adult dinner parties, short order, okay, I have to stop there for a minute. We were, we had uh, two young children, and uh, my husband came home, and he said, I just met someone at the store that's traveling through our city, and they're Christians, and I just invited them over for something to eat. And it was a Saturday afternoon, about 2 o'clock. I said, well, when are they coming? He said, oh, they're on their way. And so, yeah, so planner <laughs> of hostess dinner parties. Short order cook for those uh, meals after, dinner, after family dinners that budding athletes depend upon. Room and board provider for someone in need. Central control for getting all the appliances fixed and the carpet shampooed. Resident historian who's in charge of photo albums, baby books, and school record books. Resident encyclopedia source for all those hard questions that seem to arise. Officer of the day on call for any emergency. Defroster of the fridge. Food preservation expert. Okay, defroster of the fridge, food preservation I don't know if all of you just keep your fridges absolutely spotless all the time and there's never leftovers in your fridge. You probably never have anything that shouldn't be in there. But there have been occasions where we've had some containers in our fridge that shouldn't be in there. And one particular, and this was a few years ago, but I I came home and I opened up the fridge. And when I opened up the fridge, I had little sticky notes 
all over the fridge. And um, sticky notes on containers. And one of them, one that I remember offhand was uh, roses are red, violets are blue. In, uh, look in this container because I am PU. <laughs> Basically, he had written poetry on every container that shouldn't be in the fridge. And so my question was, well, for the amount of time it took to write all that poetry, <laughs> why didn't you just clean out the fridge? <laughs> Which I think you actually did. You just, it was just a great little joke. And then you went like, no, no. I, and he did do it. But it was, it was, he made a memory is what he did. I've never forgot that. I wish I could say it's never been like that since. But <laughs> archivist of everything that must be kept. Keeper and locator of birth certificates and other valuable documents. Ironer of wrinkles. Keeper and copier of tax forms. Appointment desk for family visits to the doctor, the dentist, the orthodontist, the barber, and the mechanic. Seeker of God, one who prays. Fitness expert. Front desk to keep track of every family member's daily itinerary. Cleaner of oven, drawers, closets, curtains, bedding, windows, even the walls. Refinisher of furniture. Hubby's romantic, attentive spouse. Enjoyer of those moments when there's nothing happening, no one is calling, and no one demands attention. Those are rare. Emergency medical technician and ambulance driver clipping 10 fingernails and 10 toenails for every young child regularly returning library books, getting film developed, choosing gifts, purchasing gifts, wrapping gifts for holidays, birthday, all birthdays, Christmas, Father's Day, Mother's Day, wedding showers, baby showers, anniversaries, and any other event that might need a gift. Mail packages, buy stamps, drop off dry cleaning, get tennis rackets restrung, have pictures framed, attend recitals, attend every school sporting event, chauffeur everyone everywhere, comb little girl's hair, uh, help in the classroom, participate in school committees, attend school meetings, chaperone field trips and special events, purchase most everything for the family and home, keep relationships healthy with friends and every member on both sides of the family, deliver forgotten lunches, forgotten homework, forgotten athletic gear, attend church, Bible study, showers, weddings, and meetings just to stay active and informed, return everything everyone buys and then decides they don't like, don't need, or don't want. Make bank deposits and withdrawals save lives, sometimes literally. If you haven't thanked your mom today, please do. Because somewhere along the line, she will have done the majority of those things because that's just all in a, all in a, a mom's day work. Abraham Lincoln said, Behind every great man is a great mother. And the once powerful leader of France, Napoleon, said, Let France have great mothers, and France will have great sons. Rudyard Kipling said, If I was hanged on the highest hill, I know whose love would follow me still. And D.L. Moody, one of the greatest evangelists that was ever uh, around, said, All I have accomplished, I owe to my mother. So moms, this is for you today. It's a dedication service to you. And I really trust that rather than feeling burdened on what you should be as a mom, that you actually come away feeling liberated and lighthearted. I think there's a great, uh, in today's world, and I think has always been there, that moms feel like they should be the all-in-all. You will never be the all-in-all. You cannot be the all-in-all. So this morning, just allow the weight to lift because you are not going to have the first perfect child. We all think our child, I'm going to do everything right with my child, and my child is the one that's going to be the best of, you know what, you're going to do your very best and you leave the rest up to God. And you will always feel like you should have done more. Every mom that is here 
feels like, I should have done this. I should have done more. I could have done this. Just know that you are with a host of every other woman that has been in motherhood, and she feels exactly the same way. And that's where we get to... We just get to say, God, I've done my best. I have got to leave the rest up to you. Because guess what? We aren't, we aren't, it's not our responsibility. That's where we give it over to the Lord. And it's he that carries it out. He has to be there all in all. Last week when we talked about the rock of our salvation, uh, every one of us want to be that rock so that our children will be that rock and that they will make wise decisions and that they will prosper. Joshua said in Joshua 1.8, he said, uh, be strong, he says, um, Meditate on my word day and night that you may be diligent to do all according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And we talked about the verse a couple of weeks ago and we talked about it again last week and again this week. It's meditating on God's word that we may be diligent even as moms to do according to all that's written therein. Then we will have prosper. We will make our way prosperous and have good success. Good success in what? Good success in parenting. Good success in motherhood. It's not based on how much we do or how much you do and how many times you do this and all those things that I just read off and over and above even more. It's not about all the doing. It's all in the meditating on God's word and trusting him because without him, we can do nothing. Isn't that true? That's what he said. But with him, we can do all things and we can be the best parent for our children. The background scripture that we're going to share from and really base today's message on is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. And it's a story about King Hezekiah. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he was on the throne and he reigned for 29 years. And so it's interesting to look at this man as we read through this this portion of scripture, I look at this guy and I think, okay, he's 25 and he ruled a nation and he did it well for 29 years. How did he do this? Who instilled principles into this man that he was able to not only follow himself, but also be able to lead a nation? And it's interesting that in his genealogy, not only is his dad mentioned, but his mom is mentioned as well. So obviously she had some influence in his life. And I'd like to think that she had influence for him to be the things that he said he was in or that the bible says that he is actually in uh in second kings in the in the account there and it says that he's three things and i believe it's in your notes the three things that he is is that he is he knows to, what to do is good and right and good a good right and true and wouldn't it be amazing to live in a generation where we all knew what was good and did it what was right and we did it and what was true, and we walked in truth. Wow. You know what? It's possible that with God's help, we can train up children as moms and say, that what? let's do good things. Let's teach our kids how to do good things. Let's teach our children to do the right thing. What's the right thing? Well, you know, one of the things that comes to my mind when you're training children, it, what, you know what one right thing is? Pay your bills. Pay your bills. That's just a really practical, do the right thing somewhere. You took something and you owe something. Pay your bills. Do what's good. Do what's right. Do what's true. Say, well, if I just change this a little bit, no one will notice. Well, you know. And do what's right because you're going to instill that into your children. And then your children can rise up and they can be, we can have a generation that actually understands truth. Wow. Is that possible? It is. It's possible. And we're going to delve in and see how. So here comes, here's Hezekiah. He's, he's 
king over, and there's peace in the land, but there's this king of Assyria, his name is Sennacherib, and he comes along and he sees this, and he, he just wants to extract and pull and taunt, and he does. Just the same way when you prosper and have good success according to God's word, we have an enemy who wants to taunt and question and cause you to say, why are you doing what you do? You don't really think this is going to make a difference, do you? You don't really think that, that you're, you really aren't, you don't really think you're a good mom, do you? You don't, why did you do that? You should have done this. Oh, and those questions that come and they taunt us. So what do we do with those? Well, we're going to look at Hezekiah and see what Hezekiah did. And hopefully it helps us in our own story. So he comes to him and he actually even taunts him about who he trusts because he knew that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord. And he goes to his, to the people that Hezekiah is over. And even to Hezekiah himself says, who is this that you trust in? And the greatest thing as moms that we can give our children is to put, allow our kids to see us put our full trust in God and then in turn believe that they will put their full trust in God. Wow. We can do that. We can have that in our homes. So in, Hez, in 2 Chronicles chapter 31, it says, Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of his house, in the house of God, in the law and in the commandment to seek his God, he did with all his heart. And in parenting, it's not a half-time job. It's with all of our heart. Moms, in all of our, with all of our hearts, we can, serve, uh, we can serve the Lord by giving into our kids. We are able to impart and live in integrity so that our children at an early age will do exactly the same thing. And uh, how do we dare to trust God to train our kids? We're going to go through six key strategies uh, pulling from Hezekiah's life and looking at him as a young man, saying, that's what I want my son to be like. That's what I want my daughter to be like. Or as a parent, or, or maybe as a 25-year-old as a or as a 35-year-old, say, God, I want those qualities instilled in my life. Because Satan will certainly try to mock and whisper and pull away the peace that is rightfully yours. You can have peace in your home. And I'm going to talk specifically to the moms for a moment. You can have peace in your home. You can have, you can have it. Well, how, how do I do that practically? The Bible says that your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Ephesians chapter 6. My feet are shod. Well, we don't even use that word. Shod with the preparation. How does that work? Well, I'll tell you what, I've, what I did and, and do on occasion. You have to do it all the time. But just when you sense that in your home, there's just... A mom knows there's just something's not right, or there's turmoil, or there's just tension. What's going on? When nobody else is in the house, I will go through the house, not all the time, but when I've sensed that, God, you said that my feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I speak your peace. I, I pronounce your peace. I choose your peace to rest in this room. And when family members and my children are here, they sense your peace. It's a place of safety. That when their friends come, they love to be here. They love to, because it's you that they're sensing. It's not, it's not me. It's not what we have or don't have. It's got nothing to do with that. It's the presence of God. Go into the kitchen. Okay, the hub of your, of your home is the kitchen. You go into the home and you say, God, when, when my children are here, I pray, God, your peace would be here. Would it rest here? May they always feel like this is a place that they can just let their hair down and just enjoy being at home, a place where their friends say, can we go over to your place and hang out? It's a place where it's, it's, it's a sanctuary for them. And then I go into the bedrooms. I go into our kids' bedrooms and say, God, over this, when they're in this room and they're by themselves, 
May they always know they're never by themselves. May they know that you're always with them, that you will never leave them or forsake them because the greatest thing that you can give them, Mom, is knowing that, that they can have a relationship with Jesus and he will always be with them. So, God, when they're in their, home, in their bedroom, I pray, God, when that door closes, that they wouldn't give their eyes to things that they shouldn't see and their minds go places they shouldn't go, but rather, God, that they would just sense your peace and your presence, that they dream big when they're in the room, that they think your thoughts. What are you doing as a parent? You are setting your home for a place for God's presence to be there, and you're training your children, and you're teaching them. You say, well, they're not even around. But you know what? You're, you're building a, a foundation for them to, to rest on and to build on and to sense that God is with them. Proverbs 23, 23, I'm sure you know, but it says, buy the truth and sell it not. And the rest of that verse says, also wisdom and instruction and understanding. So in order to, to buy something, it costs something. So how, how did Hezekiah buy truth? It says that he walked in truth. So how did he buy it? Somewhere along the line, every time a decision came, he had to make the choice. I can either, I can half lie or I can walk in the truth and present the truth. And obviously he chose to walk in the truth. We have that same opportunity where we can buy the truth. I choose truth. I choose life. I choose to walk in this understanding. I choose to walk in God's wisdom. And as I do that, not only does it affect my life, but it's affecting my children's lives. And when mom is at peace, everybody's at peace. Mom is in turmoil. Others are in turmoil. And so, mom, you hold such a key position in the family to just allow your home to be a place of peace. And the rest of that verse is, and sell it not. Well, who, who would you sell it to? Who wants it? Well, Satan. Love to come in your home and bring division between you and your kids, or you and your husband, in particular today talking about you and your children so that you don't trust them and they don't trust you. And, and why did you do that? And there's a reaction here and there's a defense here. And no. Don't sell it. Don't sell your peace in your home. Say, and you don't have to say anything to your child when that comes up. Say, Mm-mm, I'm not selling this. I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I prayed for peace to be in my home. And I choose peace. I will walk in truth. And if I don't understand it right now, I'll wait until I do understand it. But I want to walk in that. So that's buying the truth and selling it not. We need to coach our children that they too don't have to listen to that whisper of the enemy that they can buy truth and they, they can walk in truth and that they can prosper. Who doesn't want to prosper? Who doesn't want to have good success? We all do. We, where above everywhere else do we want it? In our home. And I'll tell you what, church, if we can do this in our home, we can do it anywhere else. If you can have peace in your home, you can have peace in your business, you can have peace in other relationships, you can have peace in your church, you can have peace everywhere else. If we can have peace in our home, because it's the hardest place to do it. Why is it the hardest place? Because that's the place where you just want to let it all down and you just want to blah everything out. And if we can restrain ourselves in our home and allow God to control that and have his peace flow in our home, it'll show up everywhere else. That's God's will. That's his way. That's his desire. And hopefully I can be a mouthpiece and encourage somebody today that you will walk out of here this morning and feel like, I want that. I can have that. And, and go for it. Have it. So six, six key strategies in trusting God that will impact our children. Number one, we saw in Hezekiah, with Hezekiah in, in verse chapter one that he did deeds of faithfulness. 
which we've already talked about, the good and the right and the true. And he did these things. Well, who taught him to do this? I, I think his mom did. Uh, John says in 3, 3 John uh, 1 verse 2, I pray that you would prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. Well, usually we call the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. So how does your soul prosper? Well, your soul prospers by thinking things that are good. And Philippians 4, things that are good and true and lovely and of good report, those things that are deserving of praise. So if we do that as moms, then we fortify our relationship also with our children. George Washington uh, said something very interesting about his mom. He said, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All that I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. And you know, the day after he took command, he issued an order requiring and expecting from the army the men to refrain from cursing, drunkenness, and to punctually attend church services. I'm just going to touch on the profanity, the cursing, for just a moment. Because it seems that all... um, anything goes and anybody can say anything they want. Let your home be a place where there's still self-control for yourself and for your children. Allow the name of the Lord, the word God is still almighty, and allow that word never to be used as a profanity or just a flippant word. The OMG that's everywhere, it's, it's everywhere in our society, Keep that, don't, don't bring that into your home. Keep God's name high and highly to be praised. Let that be a name in your home that's still valued, that's revered, that your children listen. When they hear the word God, it's not like a flippant word. That we, and as believers, we should never just be saying that just and not even realize we're saying it. We're saying God's name. We're saying your father. We're saying the one, the creator of all things. We're using his name so lightly. Oh, let's not do that, church. Let's not lose that. And that's what George Washington was saying. No cursing. No drunkenness. Be punctual. Why did he say be punctual to church services? Because it's integrity. Just come on time. And so he's sharing these things, and I share today and present to you, church. Can you imagine in our homes, if we had a home, if we had homes right here, just amongst us, a home, homes without profanity? Can we do, it's possible. Do you know growing up that I wasn't allowed to use, my sisters and I weren't allowed to use the word shut up in our home? My, mom's, my, my mom is here. Yay, I'm so glad she's here. Yeah. Thanks, Mom, for teaching us that. My mom watched over our words. No, you don't need to say that to each other. You don't need to use that word. There's other words. What was she doing? She was allowing, she was teaching us to have self-control over our mouths. And we as parents owe it, moms, we owe it to our children to teach them how to talk. But it's not possible for us to teach them something we're not doing ourselves. And so let's speak kind words let's speak gentle words and let's not use god's name in vain and let's not use profanity speaking of words i have to take a little break oh my goodness the time is just way too short okay i have some letters that over the years my children gave me on mother's day and these are these are nice words this is one letter mom i hope you remember that it's mother's day And I love you more than words can express. Just remember that you are very special and that you are the number one woman in my life. Actually, it's 
W-O-M-E-N, women, but woman in my life. She goes on to talk about everybody else in the family just to make sure she doesn't leave anybody out. Um, I know that you will love this gift a lot. Oh, before that, she says, um, she goes through everybody else in the family, you know, how much she loves all of them and why. Now back to my letter to you. I know that you will love this gift a lot. It usually costs over $100, but I got it for practically nothing. (laughs) And I mean practically. Anyways, I know you will love it, or I hope you will. Well, got to go now. Talk to you later, magnificent mother. Love you always. Here's another one. This one is is really, they're all precious. This one is just so cute because it says, don't open. But it was given to me. (laughs) Don't open. I learned that there's no way to get to heaven without Jesus. Yeah, that's it, moms. That's above everything else. All the years of being a mom, Our prayer has been this, that when our kids leave home, that they will know they could be anywhere in the world, they could be on a desert island, and that they'll never be alone. Jesus will always be with them. He'll never leave them or forsake them, that he's always got their best interests and that they can know him personally. If God answers that prayer, everything else will come into place. It's the biggest prayer. Pray that for your children. Uh, A couple of other ones that I have here. I'm going to save some for the 12:30 service because those that are in the 11, actually, every time the 12:30 service rolls around, Pastor Dave always says he saves the best for last, and it's at the 12:30. So I have to save something for the 12:30. Here's love you, mom. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks for being an amazing mom. You've blessed me with so much. So thank you. I love you. Times five seven four eight nine zero three one seven. And P.S. Yes, I did make this card. I also, oh, by the way, I got a check for a million dollars from one of them. I I haven't cashed it, but the thought was there. They actually spelt my name wrong, too. Yeah. Had to work on that one. The last card I want, to, I want to share is not from one of my kids, but from my husband. And husbands value your wives as moms. I heard something this week that actually really disturbed me. I asked a woman, I asked um, someone what they would be doing on Mother's Day. I asked the husband, so what are you doing on Mother's Day? And he said, she's not my mom. And it just, it just, it cut. I, f- I felt so sorry for her. Husbands, honor your wives on Mother's Day. Bless them. Encourage them. They they put up with a lot with you and with the kids, and uh, honor them. It's an opportunity for you to just call her blessed. And so this is a card I received from my husband a number of years ago. Cheryl, you really, really are an amazing mother. And I don't share this to. It's not the accolades to me. Please, under I'm sharing this because I'm I'm teaching you men. Okay, <laughs> this is a really good thing to do. Cheryl, you, really, you are a really, really amazing mother. You purpose to take every good idea from our moms and purge the rest. You've studied, read, listened, and sought wisdom on how to be a great mom. I love the way you go to God and get his input and then simply obey. Thanks for being a godly mom. You are leaving a legacy. And he goes on to share some more, and he says, Happy Mother's Day with love. I honor you as mom. Love your admiring husband.
That is life. Mums, be honored. And I trust that if you haven't done something, husbands, already for your wife, I'm sure you have great plans for her today. And every, all of you are going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's, I had full intentions of doing something. So deeds of faithfulness. Okay, I'm going to have to go through the other ones quite quickly, but uh, not that they're any less important. Uh, number two, seek counsel. A plan of actions. Mom, continue to ponder and ask questions. And often others in our lives don't see they, they see things that we don't see because we're so close to the action. And especially in raising kids, have trusted mem- mentors. If you don't have trusted mentors, ask for them. And I'll tell you one, the easiest way to get them is being a life group. And I really encourage you to be in a life group. You can either be in a life group with people your own age, with kids your own age, or be in a life group with somebody older than you are, that maybe they've already gone through that. You know, one of the greatest things that we did when our children were, were babies is we were a part of a group that their children were already in school and actually their oldest was already a teenager. And we gleaned so much from experiences that they'd already walked through. And they, they taught us. They helped train us. So seek counsel. Number three, starve the enemy. We have a saying, feed your faith and starve your doubts to death. How do you feed your faith? How do you do this? By keeping the living water flowing in your home. Uh, Jesus said, from out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And so we want that water to flow. Hezekiah actually knew this because he stopped the water flow from, the king, from getting to the king of Assyria. What do you do? He just blocked it off. And how do we block the enemy from coming into our home? By keeping the living water flowing within us. And so we want to do that. Give and it shall be given to you, right? And uh, so we want to also strengthen ourselves. Put your hand to something. Connect to a project bigger than you. It'll fuel you. It'll give you strength to be an example. And be mindful of the needs that are around you. We can get so caught in the day-to-day of all that stuff that I talked about earlier and read off all the assignments that come under the, the heading of mom that we need to even see beyond that. Say, God, just pull me out of that. Let me see big picture. And he'll actually be able to, to do that. Earn a good reputation as a mom. Earning means you have to work at it. And so we earn a good reputation. And by doing so, we're teaching our children the same thing, that they too can have a good reputation. A four-year-old can have a good reputation in a nursery, in a preschool class. A six-year-old can have a good reputation in a grade one class. Your son can have a good reputation on a basketball court. Your daughter can have a good reputation of being a good mom herself. So you want to build that in and earn a good reputation as a mom. Number five, strategize. Again, that's what Hezekiah did. He planned, he organized, which I think is a gift that women have. Um, Mark Gunger says that our minds are like spaghetti because we have so many thoughts that are all intertwined with everything. I would tend to agree. I know this is spaghetti. You can't see it, but it's there, and it's all interwoven, and every thought is connected to the other. Because You know why? Because we're so relationship-driven. And that's why as a mom with our children, we see things before our husbands may say, I think, you know what, I just, I just, I, I have to go talk to this child. Or we do, we do dates for our children and, and just time away, just one-on-one. And there's just that time where you sense, you know what, they just need some one-on-one time with me or, or with dad. And we just, we purpose to do that and just be sensitive to that. You have to strategize to do that. Don't just think good things. We have to do good things. And 
because we are anchored in God, then we can anchor those relationships in the Lord as well. I have to say this as well. If you have never done this as a family, or even if you want a family in the future, plan two years in advance. Just dream. Say, God, if, God, if, I, could, if I could just dream with you, I'm going to write a two-year strategy plan of what I would... What do I, how would I like to be? What kind of wife would I like to be? What kind of husband would I like to be? What kind of mother would I like to be? And then just lay your hands on it afterwards and say, God, I just release this to you. And I pray, God, that I could be all you've called me to be. And then just release it to him. It's a great exercise. Number six, speak God's word. Verse seven, Hezekiah quoted Joshua. And when he quoted Joshua to, to the people, they were encouraged. So when we speak God's word in our home, mom, when we speak God's word, guess what? You bring encouragement to your children. You, you bless them. And so we, that's a great treasure that we can leave our kids. We want to pack life. We heard about that. Pack life, pack life in your home and by speaking God's word over your kids as well as to your kids. And then number seven, trust people in your life. The enemy's strategy is always to undermine our trust in others, even if they've been trustworthy. When Sennacherib came and started taunting, he actually started in Hebrew, in their language, he started yelling uh, lies about Hezekiah to Hezekiah's people. But you know what? They didn't say anything. They didn't answer, and they didn't look because they knew Hezekiah. They trusted him. He'd already been a good leader. And that's still the enemy's strategy. You might be in a really great relationship with your kids, and some of you, he'll just try to come in there and taunt and lie. Don't listen to his lies. Trust, trust the relationship that God's already established. Husbands, trust your wives. Wives, trust your husband. And if it's been broken, then start at that place and build it up one by one. Find little steps of ways that you can bring trust back into that relationship. Trust God that he can trust a relationship. Does that make sense? Because without him, you can't. I can't just trust, but if I trust God that he can, because then you don't hold that relationship like this. This really, if this doesn't work and if they don't do this, then no. If you trust God to trust in that other person, then you can hold it lightly. And when you hold it lightly, watch and see what he can do. In closing, there was a, a woman, an elderly woman, mid-1700s. Her name was Mama Newton. She was a lady that, all the children in the neighborhood wanted as their mother. And every day and every night, you'd find her crying and praying over her wash tub for her son, John. John had run away from home as a rebellious teenager to become a sailor. He was an ungodly, wicked man, disowned by his father, and everyone knew him because he was so wicked. Yet day after day, Mama Newton kept praying that God would save her wayward boy. She believed in two things, the power of prayer and the conversion of her son. And one day, God answered that prayer. And as a result, John Newton, the drunken sailor, became John Newton, the sailor preacher who, at age 54, penned Amazing Grace. Yeah. You may have a John Newton in your home. You may have a wayward son here this morning. Don't give up. God's not finished with him yet, right? Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org